How is it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast is created to highlight the many dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community today. To be able to provide them with an opportunity and a platform to share their story with the world. Thank you guys for listening, and if you're not already, head over to my YouTube channel called Igbra Outdoors and click that subscribe button. Thank you guys for listening, and enjoy today's episode. In today's podcast, we host Destin Demarion, who is now a Bassmaster Elite Series rookie. So we get on to talk about how he got to where he is and what is to come and his feelings towards becoming a Bassmaster Elite Series pro angler for 2020. Enjoy. All right, I think we're good. All right, welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. Tonight with us, we have Destin Demarion, otherwise known as Destin to Fish uh, on social media. How are we doing tonight, sir? Happy to be here, man. Good night. I just got back from the gym. I was over at uh, Orange Theory. It's kind of like a CrossFit-y type place, but just got out of the shower literally like five minutes ago. So, I hear you. Yeah, I've never I never heard of an orange theory until I got here in South Bend and a bunch of people are into it, especially the people that got some busy schedules. So uh, Exactly, and I'm one of them, so it's definitely yeah. trendy right now. For sure. And I'm sure with uh, your, your tournament scene, this is probably your – I mean, you might still be busy, but this is probably your downtime of the year, isn't it? Yeah, you know, usually, but, like, with all the changes with the Elite Series and stuff coming up, I've just been, like – it's such a transition trying to get all the sponsor stuff together and get boat stuff and just everything has just been crazy but it usually is time when i like to just chill and kind of spend time with my family and go fishing just for fun and enjoyment i bet i bet so uh we'll, we'll dive into that uh a little bit after after these this first question which we start up the podcast off of uh we dive into each and every podcast the first thing we talk about and it's uh it's your story and I'd love to hear about who got you into fishing and, and, you know, the reason behind it. Yeah, so when I was um, about three years old, my mom and dad separated, and we came back from California to um, western Pennsylvania, Grove City. It's a little town kind of near, in between Youngstown and Pittsburgh. And uh, I lived with my grandparents. My grandfather was just retiring, so he had never really been a fisherman. No one in my family, extended family, is really a fisherman. But he just started getting into it, started watching the fishing shows, started buying all the tackle. And I just happened to fall into that. And it worked out really well because I found something that I love pretty quickly and, you know, got to enjoy it with him for a while. Um, you know, that's that's kind of how it started out. And it just has was was my passion, you know, very quickly. And it just kind of has went on from there. So. What did you say, like when you started fishing then with your with your grandfather? Did you guys kind of go after everything, or did you yeah, go bass typical, typical like northeast Midwest kind of growing up fishing. Like you're fishing for everything, yeah, bluegill crap. I mean, when you're a little kid, you're fishing for bluegills with a bobber yeah. and a worm kind of stuff, and crappies, trout, um, walleye, bass, you know, everything. I was more of the one that started using the artificials and stuff my grandfather would kind of just sit there and relax you know and throw out a bobber and a worm kick back relax yeah yeah exactly so when did you kind of start honing in more on on bass then um you know when i was a kid like when i was a little older kid and i could kind of go hang out with my friends and go fishing by ourselves like we'd just go kind of walk around ponds around town and the the creek kind of wade around the creek because it was right behind my house like a short walk through the woods 
So, I mean, that was really when I started to really get into bass fishing because we had smallmouth in the creek. We also had a dam, so above was real slow, weedy, so we had largemouth and smallmouth. It was a really cool place to kind of learn how to fish. Then we had all the farm ponds like, you know, most people do have. That's pretty much how I learned. I mean, we never had a boat. It was just, you know, pond hopping and waving. That's awesome. That's uh, some grassroots on how to you know, get Absolutely. into fishing with Absolutely. your buddies and everything. Definitely. So in that in that stage then, like timeline-wise, when did you start getting into doing tournaments? So I never actually did my first real bass tournament till I was 20 years old. Um, that was my end of my junior season. Um, I played football at a Division II school, Gannon University in Erie, PA. I actually blew out my knee, so I missed the whole season, and that's when I started getting into the tournament side. Like, I always knew I wanted to do it. Really didn't know how. I started doing research when I was in my teens and stuff, and then finally had some time to, to go after it and just got in with a local club, the Bassmasters of Crawford County. It's um, right there in northwest PA. I mean, guys like Dave LeFever, fish. that's what he started out. Um, Paul Horosky, I don't know if you know him. He was mm-hmm. kind of a long time ago, but he was in the Elite Series too. But, I mean, it was a great club. A lot of guys still fishing into their 60s and 70s now. Made a lot of good friends through there and still fish with some of those guys. Well, I'd say you'd made it to uh, possibly your goal now, right, on uh, the Elite Series? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty surreal still. I mean, it's not going to feel real till you know, you're actually out there fishing. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a check mark in that goal. I kind of gave myself, like, a till 30, and I just – turn 30 so it, it kind of worked out perfectly yeah i mean i'm sure uh for right now it'll be kind of cool in your mind that you're like yeah i'm on the elites and then you're gonna get the boat ramp and then you'll be like holy crap right right yep. i'm sure there'll be a little bit of that but i mean you know i've fished the opens for many years as a, not just a pro i fished as a co-angler for a long time so like i'm used to the big tournament thing like it was a little bit overwhelming at first when you're a co-angler and you see all these guys you watched on TV, you know, that was kind of crazy, but that kind of wears off after a little while. And then it's just like fishing again. I mean, it's the same thing as a club tournament. You're just fishing. You just got to yeah. see it as that really. You just don't make it too big. Yeah. I mean, when you see those guys on TV, you're kind of, it's almost kind of like uh, for me like, as an athlete and you see all these guys, you know, on TV and all these stars and whatever, but then when you get to actually meet them, you're like, oh, okay, you're just a you're just a person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're a person. I mean, this is okay. You're genuine. It's fine. Okay, this is not as big of a deal in my as I made it in my mind. But well, yeah, and you get to see all the uh, these Notre Dame stars are going to go on and be like first round draft picks and stuff. So I mean, you're around these you know star people all the, all the time. So you just get used to it. Exactly. Exactly. I grew up watching, you know, Notre Dame and all these football players, basketball, and I'm a big lacrosse guy. So for me, like Coach Corrigan here, he's somebody who I've I've seen on TV growing up, and uh, I remember just being starstruck when Coach Corrigan walked by me the first day I was in the office, and uh, I saw him I'm like, oh, like I was poking him, but I'm like, that's Coach Corrigan, whatever, like talking. <laughs> he comes up and talks to me, shakes my hand, and he goes, hey, let's go get coffee, and we just talked like two buddies who've been reunited so it's it's cool it's, it's almost humbling to when you meet these guys that are supposed to be like these big stars and how they are they have that platform but then you're like all right they're pretty down to earth they're normal people i, yeah, I think most of those people just want to be treated like a normal person most exactly. of the time anyway, this know? is true this is true so so talk about your your timeline a little bit from starting i mean you started at when you're 20 years old and now 
what you said 10 years later you're on the elites yeah, talk about years. talk about that that road and getting here how that was like yeah so like i said i mean later in my teens i kind of started doing a lot of research on like the path and how you could do it i mean i always knew i wanted to do it from when i was a little kid but i mean i didn't really have like a set path or anyone to really guide me on that because nobody fished my grandfather passed away when i was I think 10 or 11. So then I was really just, I was the only fisherman, you know, lucky to make some friends and stuff. But I mean, I was the only one that really wanted to pursue the bass fishing side of it. You know, most of my friends just still fish for anything. But like, I started in the college fishing. I did one tournament my senior year um, in the college fishing. We did absolutely terrible. <laughs> I was still very green at that point, but it was a great experience. I mean, college fishing is like the thing now. It's amazing how it's blown up. Um, but from there I, I started fishing the opens as a co-angler. Um, I did all the local stuff. I did, you know, buddy tournaments and stuff, but I fished Federation as a co-angler initially, um, TBF side, uh, just because that's what the club was affiliated with, uh, went to state championship and that as a co-angler, that was fun. Um, then I really focused, I knew like the opens was the way to really kind of, um, bridge the gap because, um, I feel like if you get really good locally, like you can be really good and dominate locally. But if you want to be really good everywhere, you got to really broaden your horizons and learn how to fish different kinds of places other than getting like comfortable in like a certain area. I mean, it's good to learn different techniques if you have different bodies of water. But like fishing Florida is 100 times different than fishing, you know, the St. Lawrence River or, you know, that kind of stuff. So like getting to exposed to those different fisheries, you know, I fished uh, the northerns and southerns when they're split up, not the easterns, and then centrals as well, just to really kind of uh, expand my horizons. Because I mean, I just fished Western Pennsylvania growing up for the most part, you know. So it's it's pretty much most of the fishing is the same. So you got to learn some different things from places like Florida. Um, and then I started fishing as a pro. Um, I got a, a sponsorship um, from DuraEdge, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it was really like kind of a fluke freak thing. I mean, I do believe things happen for a reason. I'm sure there was some divine intervention there, but like that's really been the reason why I've kind of been able to go further than the co-angler side. Um, the first year in the Opens as a pro, I almost made the elites. I missed by a couple points. I think when I was 25, but then after that, it kind of got tough. You know, it's just the peaks and valleys of, of tournament fishing. You know, you really got to, like, take your lumps. And when you're ready and it's your time, it's going to happen. And I just stayed with it. And luckily, we're, we're, at, where we're at now, really. Yeah. And it's I, – I can't imagine the uh, the emotion you probably had when you realized, oh, crap, I made the elites. Like, that yeah. must have awesome. It was pretty cool because, I mean, the, the to make it – I only had four fish the second day of the tournament, but I knew like it was a super tough day. I was like, I know I'm going to still make it. But that last fish that I caught, I was, I freaked out because I knew that was it. You know, it was like one of those moments. Locked it in for you. Mm-hmm. I bet. And what are your, you know, obviously we, we were just spoken how, you know, it's not probably not going to hit you until you get there, but, you know, looking ahead on the season in front of you, you know what? What's running through your head? What are you kind of? Are you prepping yet? Or what's? 
How's this thing's going right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been been digging into tackle like periodically, you know, every week pretty much, just starting to get things ready. Everything's pretty much in order from from the end of the season. I just have to tweak some things. I try to travel light um, for whatever tournament I'm going to. I try to only carry what I need for that tournament. I try not to overdo it. Not just because it's, I mean, it, it weighs you down, it slows the boat down, but also because it just weighs your mind down. You, you don't want to have, you want to simplify. To me, I've found like simplifying is is better. Like just don't have too many things to think about and too many decisions. Just keep it very simple. Like really that's helped me in the last like couple of years, really. Okay. So if when you kind of say like, you know, you're in a slump where, I mean, all of us anglers have them where, you know, you're not. You're, you're not catching them the way you want to. You're kind of getting confused on a pattern. Do you think that having that less amount of gear than what some other guys have where their boat's fully loaded, do you feel more comfortable carrying light in that sense? Because you can kind of go back to basics a little bit easier than somebody else who carries everything from A to Z. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what we were talking about with, like, you know, sports and football, baseball, like we we're kind of touching upon – you know, a lot of times when somebody is in a slump, the you know the hitting coach or whatever is just going back to the fundamentals. They're just going back to the beginning and trying to, you know, start at the base once again. And I think that is important. It really helps you just going back and just, you know, keeping it simple as as you can. It, I think it helps me really just having less less options. I mean, I know what I'm going to use. There's some things I know I'll never use unless it's like. You know, I'm just messing around and I can get some confidence in it. I think it's really important, you know, to have a handful of confidence baits that you feel like you can always catch them on. I think that's really key. And if you've got those, I mean, you can pretty much, I mean, if you have confidence in a bait, that's more important than anything to me. And you only need a few of those. Yeah, because it just helps you put your mind at ease and it gives you a little bit more of a boost when you go into an area. Because yep. if you have confidence in the bait and you have confidence in the area, then it's just going to kind of give you more of an uplift and you'll have a little bit more tenacity, you know, when you're attacking or kind of picking apart an area. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, some guys will say there's a difference between a confidence bait and then a bait that should work in a scenario. When you find yourself in that struggle, do you refer to a confidence bait or a bait that, you know, by the textbook should be working? You know, I, I will touch upon that. Um like going through a rough patch thing and tie that in because i feel like when i have tried to force it where like hey everybody's catching them on a big swim bait on the ledge or everybody like that's not what i do and when i try to force it, it doesn't work for me but i can go up and catch them on something that you wouldn't have thought of that just because i i'm confident in fishing it and i think everybody to some extent that can work for them and that's really what i've went back to and i think that's really the key for me in the past year, just having very much consistency and some really good tournaments is just, you know, when when the crap hits the fan, is just doing what you're confident in and fishing areas where you know, you know, there's fish there. That's important too. Not just yeah. fishing. Oh, I'm, it's it's a ledge tournament. It's June and in the Tennessee River. You need to fish on a ledge. Like we had a tournament at Chickamauga. I caught 21 pounds in two feet of water. It was like almost June. But I had like 10 pounds, and then I just was like, screw this. I ran 50 miles almost, and I pulled into an area and caught 21 pounds like an hour. Because it's I was comfortable. Like, I knew I knew there was fish there, and I knew the way that I was fishing I was comfortable with. That's awesome. 
Any way you can fish shallow over deep, in my mind, is more fun. Absolutely. Kind of a, kind of a John Cox. <laughs> yeah, kind of a John Cox mindset, but I, I can't. Hey, get it works. Look at how successful he's been, especially at Chickamauga. There's a good example. He exactly. Wins every time. Yeah, and uh, another example was uh, I think it was David Dudley who was just skipping Sankos under trees all day, and he was yeah. saying all these guys are out fishing ledges. I'm skipping a Sanko, and he was yeah. he was racking them up. But uh, when did you when did you get your first uh when you get your own first boat like in that timeline from 20 to where you are now? When do you start getting to that? First boat, uh, 20, 21 was the first one that I owned. It was a 14 foot aluminum with nice. a built on casting deck and a Folgers coffee can given to me when I bought it, which wow. was kind of confusing at the time. But then I was like, "What is this?" And he said, "Oh, it's for bailing water." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh yeah there's a small leak i was like well that would have helped if you told me that before before, before i gave you the money yeah right. that's funny you gotta start yeah, something that was that was the first one and then the first fiberglass was 24 i was 24 so Four? Okay. few years few years after that is that when you started your guiding yes yeah exactly yeah once i got that i started guiding I started doing, um, I got a captain's license. I started doing like Lake Erie, Prescott Bay, some smaller local places. And then actually, um, for the last four years, I in the winter, I go down to the St. John's River and I guide down in Florida. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's kind of cool because our season starts there in February, too. <laughs> there you go. I guess you get a little prep. Yeah, second home kind of event. So is that where you're at now or are you up in Pennsylvania? No, I'm in Pennsylvania, so I spend most of the year here. I won't be able to guide down there a lot of this year or at all because we have a cutoff for the elites So, oh, right. and then the tournament. So this year it will be a little different. But usually I'm here um, May to through December, and I'm there January till May. Nice. nice. Yeah. So you're going to do a little ice fishing guide service then? I don't make it Yeah, here. right. <laughs> well, believe it or not, I'll be leaving to go pre-fish because we have month cutoffs. I'll be leaving it right after Christmas to get a couple pre-fishing things in it before the cutoff. And then we actually have a big trade show in West Palm um, in Florida for Duraedge. It's the Sports Turf Managers Association. So we have that in January. I'm sure I'll be taking some people fishing down in Florida and Hopefully, I don't have to be in the cold that long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is true. So, when you, I mean, I'm not going to ask you specifics and everything. So, I know guys have their all their quirks, everything that they kind of share with just themselves. Um, but when you go down that early to pre-fish, you're probably not looking for baits or techniques, right? You're probably more looking for areas. Yeah, for sure. In a place like St. John's, where I I have a lot of experience you know, that I've fished there a lot, especially that time of year. It's just going to be, for me, it's going to be looking for off-the-wall stuff that I've not fished. So I've been studying a lot, looking at Google Earth, doing that kind of stuff, just looking for areas that I've never been to to try to find something crazy that might work. But generally, it doesn't seem like there's much, um, you know, there's many secrets anymore in the St. John's. So, I mean, you never know, though. It's You could find something crazy, but... I'm going to spend a little bit of time doing that, and then I'll just spend some time just getting back into the rhythm. Getting the, the feel for everything, casted, not bird's nesting anymore. Kind of yeah, thing. exactly. I haven't been exactly. able to fish as much lately because it's been so cold. I'm, I don't know. Has it been pretty cold up in Indiana lately? It's been high 20s, low 30s. Yeah, roughly the same. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's probably going to get real cold soon, but uh, in 11 days, I'm headed home back to New York, and right now they have two foot of snow, so uh, pretty, yeah. pretty, yeah, <laughs> we're pretty much there. It's, it's already ice. <laughs> Poor um, Andy and those guys up in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, they're getting crushed, but I know even, I think it was last week, there's they were still catching them out on, out on Erie, so I'm oh, sure yeah. they're not complaining too much. I just went out um, two weeks ago. I took off work, and uh, do you know Jeff Hippert? He's a friend with Andy, too, in Buffalo. I've heard the name. He's a good friend of mine. He almost won the Coast of National Championship a few years back. But uh, we went out and we caught our best five was 28 pounds on Erie the other day. <laughs> that lake it was insane. Incredible. That lake is incredible. Figure, I've only been out on the lake once. I've been, like, in the harbor up by Buffalo a few yeah, times. Yeah, that's where we launched. Yeah. And uh, I've never actually been out on the main lake Um very many times at least i've been there one time and uh, my buddy caught 26 pound bag 27 pound bag 28 i came out with him we caught 21 he went out the next day caught 28 again so i think i think i'm just bad luck but <laughs> it must uh, be the jinx <laughs> <laughs> hey it's, it's kind of messed up though when we're saying it's a jinx to catch 21 pounds <laughs> yeah, this is true i mean it, it was it's one of those things where it was one of those days where you kind of just sit there and you're like maybe it's just me Cause like he he caught two five and a half, biggest I caught was a four six. My PB smallmouth, which I'm ashamed to say from New York, my PB is four nine. Um, but we are we are we're doing drifts out on Lake Erie. We're, I'm on one side of the boat, he's on the other. Our baits are no more than ten feet apart, yeah. if that. Same same tube, same weight, same size line. He gets two fives in ten minutes. I get squat. I'm just like, all right, it's just me. It's me today. It's got that's all it is. Sometimes it just seems like it is like you're just like, oh, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it still is up there. It's probably one of my top three experiences just from seeing that, like being on that size of a lake. Because up until See, then, yeah, up until then, my, the biggest lake I've been on was Cayuga. Not that it's a small body of water, but it's yeah. just... You're well, looking at least at you can see the there. banks. Not you can't always <laughs> see the bank. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, it was like our first half hour, and we were fishing the uh, the mouth of the Niagara, and he hooks up into. He, he thought he was snagged. He started popping his line until his line started screaming. We were just we were throwing heavy swim baits, yep. and uh, like ten minutes later, it comes up this like six foot sturgeon that almost jumps in the oh boat. My gosh! And I was so mad because like he's in front of the boat. I'm letting go a three pounder. And I'm like this. So my GoPro's on my chest and I see it. And I'm like, oh, it's crazy. Like we're freaking out. Like that's crazy footage. Like it almost broke his trolling motor. And uh figures my GoPro's facing not where my head's facing. So oh. yeah. But it was it was an incredible day. But I, I'm coming I'm going back for revenge and Andrew's gonna he's gonna help me on that. Oh, he's the guy to go out with. He's got his captain's license. So everybody yeah. watch out. He's he's a Lake Erie hammer. He's he's taking over. But yeah, so we'll so, like, kind of with your guide service, then, are you – is it kind of like a steady flow? Do you expect things to start picking up? Or with you and the elites now, how is how things going to happen? Yeah, you know, it, it was – like, when I'm in Florida, it's very steady. It's it's good. Like, business is good. And, I mean, people want to get out of the cold and go fishing. It's great. But, uh, you know, with, with the elites and stuff, it's really going to change things. I'm not going to be able to be consistent – as consistent with it. So, it's going to be a, a change, but – I mean, it's a great opportunity. It's it's definitely a transition, you know, going from doing, you know, the same routine for for years, you know, the last four years to changing it up. But it's a good change. Yeah, I would say so. 
Yeah, you're yeah. moving up to the the big boys now, gunslinging. That's right. It's a uh, if like I'm trying to think how to word this, but going into the elites, like what do you like? Obviously, you're looking forward to fishing. You're looking forward to the tournaments, but kind of like are you looking forward to going against like the Seth Fighter and you know BP and everybody now? Yeah, you know, I've, just through fishing the opens, I've known those guys for a long time. I actually traveled with Seth for a little while when I was a co-angler. So, I mean, it's cool just, yeah, it's going to be cool fishing against, like, those guys again. Um, I'd fished against them in the opens for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. That'll yeah. be fun. So, like, kind of like, that's just my, again, as we talk about, study off, you know, being a fanboy and starstruck and everything like that. <laughs> that's just me. But um, obviously that aside, like, what are you most looking forward to? You kind of looking forward to like traveling? Like, what's what's on the radar? I would say I'm most looking forward to catching giant bass. I mean, the the schedule <laughs> is insane. Like, they just lined it up perfectly. I mean, outside of the Sabine River, which I mean, I don't, I don't mind like tough river tournaments, but all the rest of them are just going to be absolute smash fests. I mean, it just it looks like it on paper, at least. So. I'm just really excited for that. That that sounds like it's going to be really cool. I mean, going to like Fork, they just announced that. I mean, we're going to Chickamauga, which I've been a couple of times. That's my favorite lake, honestly. That there's just so many big bass factories, you know, on the schedule, and I just love to catch fish. <laughs> really, it's as oh simple as that. Yeah, I'm pulling up the uh, the schedule right now because I think uh, I had another question that popped in my mind. Let's see. St. John's I... chick, uh, you follow. Santee Cooper, I mean, it's just it's just studded with giant bass factories. Yeah, February St. John's. It says February fourteenth to seventeenth is TBA. Oh, uh, that's Chickamauga. They announced that one. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, you follow uh, Santee Cooper. So, out of these, which one would you have to say like is highlighted? Which one is the the one you're looking most forward to? I mean, I'm definitely pumped for all of them, but I would say Lake Fork, just Lake because Fork. I've barely ever fished in texas i think i've only done it one time and honestly i was a co-angler and i really didn't get to fish much because my guy broke his rib in the morning because it was so cold he slipped and he fell on his on the pedestal seat and i had to drive him drive us back so i didn't even get to fish there one day so i barely got to fish there but i'm just excited i mean it's lake fork like if you're a bass guy i mean everybody's heard of lake fork and everybody knows what it you know holds i mean it just seems like it's going to be a blast we saw what Brandon Cobb did last year. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Didn't he catch, like, a nine-pounder on a jerkbait? Yeah, I mean, he just throttled him. He, I know he caught an 11-something. He caught, like, the second biggest bass of the year there, too. It's, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at least the, the second, the back half of the uh, the schedule, and, in, you know, being a Lake Erie guy, it looks like it's in your wheelhouse for these last few tournaments. Yeah, it's cool. You know, it, Ironically, um, I haven't had a lot of experience on Thousand Islands and St. Clair specifically, but I mean, it's, I do love those places. I've been there a couple times, so it'll be fun to go there. I mean, Champlain, I fished a decent amount. I mean, they they really hit it out of the park with the schedule. It's, yeah. it's great. They're even timing, I mean, the timings are great on almost all of those places. Yeah, and if uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, the the St. Clair one, because I feel like St. Clair, a lot of times when they're there, it's you know it's usually earlier in the season rather than this being the last tournament late August. So yeah, that, so late August usually can be tough. I mean, yeah. that's 
I could see that being tough. Like just anywhere in Great Lakes country, August is kind of a transition month. So it can be yep. a challenging month. But I mean, you know, you and I both know what Lake St. Clair has. So mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to catch them. There's no doubt. It might be a grind, yeah. but people are going to catch it. And people know they're there. I remember driving through here to get to South Bend and there's an exit that literally it just has Lake St. Clair on it up through Detroit. Yep. And there's just, I probably passed almost a hundred boats going up through, probably coming up from Ohio or whatnot, but it's. Well, fishing must be good if there's that many boats going up there. I, I will say that there was a good chunk that looked like they were there for muskie because muskie is a big, a big deal. It's great muskie as well. Um, I didn't see too many, too many bass boats, but I mean. You give your surgeon story. Um, I uh, witnessed Jordan Lee when I was a co-angler catch a sturgeon there at St. Saint Clair. Were you, were you on the water when he was with, with uh, oh crap, who was he? Did you, I don't know if you're watching it too. Um, was that when he was wearing like the, the King outfit? No, it was, uh, it was an open, like before he was even on the elite. So I was oh, fishing, okay. fishing as a co-angler. So yeah, he, he like set into something and he fought it forever. It was cool. It was probably like a three or four foot sturgeon. It was the first time I'd ever seen one, you know, live in person other than like an aquarium. It was kind of neat. I was I'm trying to think. I was watching oh, I can't believe I'm blanking. I'm actually really embarrassed. I'm forgetting his name right now. But he's um one of the spokesmen the uh for Bassmaster with Is it Zona uh, or yeah, I, yeah, it's Zona. I can't believe I forgot that name. <laughs> I don't know, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. But um he had his Zona live with uh with Jordan Lee. I think I want to say it was St. Clair when he hooked into another sturgeon and it was like a four hour long like stint. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exact same. Yep. I just remember laughing of Zona running around the boat with his golden pants on with the net, trying to get the sturgeon in the net, had him in the net, lost him, then they were just both just exhausted for the rest of the day. It was that's hilarious. It was never fast T V there. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's a classic. That's gonna be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. It's anytime there's a zona live, something funny's gonna happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, he so, just brings laughs with him. Even on the the Bassmaster Live, like he, <laughs> some of his comments, you can't help, can't help but laugh. Are you excited to be on that? Yeah, I mean that'll be cool. I mean, hopefully, I get. I think everybody got to be on it last year. Hopefully, we get some some coverage. I mean, we're doing pretty good, so I am yeah. excited. That'll be fun. Should be. So in this, hopefully at the St. John's. <laughs> uh in in your timeline of you know starting your tournaments and whatnot when did you when did you create your youtube channel i started it a long um shoot it was probably five or six years ago i would say at least but you know i didn't really get into it too much and but the last few years i've really started to create more content and stuff um try to piece together all the trips because i mean i'm traveling so much and get a little taste of everything that's going on Try to yeah. try to give everybody kind of a little uh, insight into what's what's up with the you know what I'm doing, but the Dura Edge bass fishing experience too. Because I mean I'm taking you know pro and college groundskeepers out fishing all across the country. You know from Maine to Miami to the West Coast. I've I've been you know traveling to do that, so it's kind of a unique experience. It's cool and just wanted to kind of share it with people. Yeah. Do you, Do you see yourself kind of? 
bringing it along to the tournaments with you or when you go you take people out you know on your trips with their edge like yeah i try to mix it all together so like i have like episodes where i just have like a block of all kind of stuff going on in a month and just kind of put it all together each month to while while there's while i'm out traveling and stuff to just bring content but yeah that's a little bit of tournament fishing a little bit of taking the guys out a little bit of just life and traveling i mean little bit of everything family looking looking forward to more posts this year when you're you're with the elite yeah it'll probably be a little more entertaining (laughs) so so talk a little bit more about your your dura edge your your dura edge bass fishing experience i think you called it yeah so like i said um my main sponsor is dura edge we actually provide infield mix um dirt to baseball and softball fields Um, we manufacture it and we also install and make other products for the field too. But, um, you know, the groundskeeper community is kind of our, um, our customers. So that's who I'm really catering to, you know, I'm, as I'm traveling, I'm, I'm visiting, you know, different pro ballparks and minor league and college ballparks, you know, doing cookouts for all their crews, taking them fishing, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it, it kind of just evolved from when I started with DuraEdge just started fishing the opens and stuff and just started taking a guy out here and there. And, um, the owner, Grant McKnight, he started, he started hearing good things from the guys and it kind of evolved into what it is and just got onto a much larger scale. And it's, it's been cool. I mean, it's unique for sure. I don't think anybody else is doing it in our, in our uh, industry. So it's cool. And I could take guys fishing and share my passion with guys whose passion is sports turf. And I'm really I've got an appreciation for, you know, what they're doing too, because you got to be passionate about it. You know, you're working long hours and you're outside and you really got to love it. And those guys are all very, you know, passionate about it. Yeah. Grounds, the grounds crew, they, they, they bust their butt. I didn't really get a, a good feel of what their life was like until I came here to Notre Dame. And that's, you, it's very demanding physically and mentally. It's, it's the worth of appreciation from the outside looking in, but that's cool that, yeah you've got a little insight into that too yeah and, and like do you do you take them bass fishing every time or is it kind of like a multi-species thing yeah for the most part bass fishing um i'm trying to think i might have taken them for something else once or twice but pretty much all the time we're doing bass but i mean i've, I've taken them you know for large mouth small small mouth spotted bass you know whatever that's pretty sweet so do you kind of do you kind of see that expanding as you move on, or is it kind of just going to be a constant whenever they kind of need you? Or yeah, I mean, I try. I pretty much make my own um, schedule with it. Like I just kind of look up, you know, our guys in in whatever areas and try to make big trips out of it. Where I'm visiting a lot of people on, you know, if I'm going to Texas for a tournament, I'm gonna try to visit people on the way and or on the way back and stuff like that, and try to really visit as many people as I can every year. It'll, it'll probably be about the same as last year, maybe a little bit more, just because we're going to be out in some different places that we haven't um, really got to see yet. So what would, what would you say is your your favorite ballpark or favorite experience that you've been on with this, with this group? Shoot, I think this fall going out to the West Coast was probably the coolest thing. I, you know, I hadn't been there really since I was a little kid. I mean, I told you we lived in California, but I really didn't remember um, went to the California Delta um, with guys from the Giants, and then uh, Sacramento State. We were doing a project there, and I took um, 
guy from there. It was that place is like a bucket list place. That place was incredible. I mean, it was fun. They had a great time. We caught some some big fish. It was fishing kind of tough, but I thought it was incredible. It was an awesome place. I mean, it's not what you expect. The, the water is like crystal clear. You can see down like ten feet. I mean, it's it's not what you would think. It's tidal. You got all the grass and the hyacinth, like a Florida place, but you got the tidal element. It's, it's just a really cool place, and obviously it's got big bass. Yeah, and it's probably got to help you with your skill set, just kind of mentally, and you pick apart different areas. You can kind of relate it to different parts of the country. Absolutely. I think it's like the St. John's if it was, like, crystal clear. Mm. Sincerely. Is the St. John's more of, like, a stain, like a, like a brown? It's got that Florida tannic you know, kind of stain to it, like most of those, you know, the the Toho's. Well, Toho's pretty clear, but, like, most of those Florida places have the uh, the tannic stain. Yeah. So do you kind of prefer, you know, clear water to stained water, or do you, are you a dirty water guy? I I, I like a little bit of stain, for sure. I think it's easier to catch them if there's a little bit of stain. They just can't Mm -hmm. see as well. They can't, you know, diagnose that your bait isn't real as, you know, as easily. So I do like a little bit of stain. I do like that kind of tea colored Florida water. It's grown on me. Yeah. You know, being from up North, they're usually like terrified because a lot of us grow up in places where it's clear water. So then when you get to it, you're like, Oh my gosh, but I've become <laughs> a, a, a Floridian an adopted Floridian. I feel like now. Do you see yourself moving down there eventually, or do you see yourself staying in Pennsylvania? I, I would like to. My wife hates the, the hot weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right. I don't know. We'll see. So I guess it sounds like you're going to compromise and stay in Pennsylvania. Yeah, at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take some cold because she, she enjoys it. Got to yeah. have snow for, for Christmas. I guess Christmas is okay. Yeah, uh, that's going to be... For me, uh, my I have grandparents down in Florida in Boca Grande, so uh, yeah. so every year we for yeah since I think it six last six seven years we every Christmas has been spent down in Florida. That's cool. Uh, so all of our family meets down there, and this year we're not going down. And this is going to be like my first white Christmas in almost almost ten years, so it's going to be kind of. Are you excited of, about that, or you I, kind of I, disappointed? I love I personally love the snow. Okay. Um, I kind of go back and forth on whether I like the cold or I like the hot more. Some days I'm like, all right, I wish it was winter, but it's, it's, it's a good happy medium living in New York because the summers are really hot and the winters are even colder. You get the, you get all the seasons full throttle. Yeah. It's New York. I wish it wasn't as expensive because I would love to stay there, but like being a kid coming right out of college with loans, New York, it's not the greatest place to be in um but no it's 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 cool because i have my big my family's big on hunting and they're big okay. on fishing so new york's got the best of both worlds because oh, absolutely you, you can go to cayuga you got a giant largemouth and they got you know south end of cayuga has got a giant smallmouth you got lake erie ontario the river like you have a mix of everything so it's, you guys are spoiled there you've got <laughs> you got everything it's very underrated when it comes to like the best places to fish new york is very looked over I agree with that. I think they're starting to to kind of catch on. The, the Bassmasters, a lot of tournaments are starting to go there more often, especially like Thousand Islands. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it kind of helps that Bassmaster every year kind of says, "Hey, but New York's got all this, so now everyone's coming up to visit and fish." And it <clears throat> doesn't help that all the the pros come up here and say, "Hey, we're up, we're at the river. Here's a seven pound smallmouth." So it's like it's it's. 
I would love to see an elite level tournament on Erie or Ontario, just to see the the bags come out of there. That Me would too. be awesome. It, I wish they'd go out of Buffalo like they used to. They used to go out of Buffalo, but they haven't for a very probably. 10, 15 years it's been since they went out of Buffalo last for the elites. It's hard, I guess, with that to schedule at least, you know, because they they make that schedule so far ahead mm-hmm. with a big body of water like that, with any sort of west wind. I mean, even really any direction. I know you know Erie way better than I do, but it's that lake and rip just from a very small amount of wind. We saw it happen in the coast the last year. There was only one day of competition because of you know it was. That west wind, I think it was a west. It would just ruin the rest of the tournament. They canceled both day, the next two days. It's yeah, you you don't mess with it uh, for sure. And it's like Ontario. If it's west, east, or north, you're screwed. And south, you can't really go too offshore. So it's right. And Ontario's got them. Just I mean, maybe not oh, the yeah. numbers that Erie has, but Ontario's got the same size. Oh yeah, I mean, people can catch twenty eight, thirty pound bags there. Like especially in the fall or the early spring. Oh yeah, and there's there's um there's a lot of lakes in New York that can, you know, there's a lot of guys who put up dirty thirties of smallmouth and largemouth. Oh yeah, those small finger lakes too. Yeah, a lot of those are sleepers that I think are very well kept secrets. Yes, they're very well. And you'll you'll notice when you got the guys that are all locals at these small lakes that are kind of very hush hush about different spots and. Uh, I know for one, for me, I fish very locally out of New York Finger Lakes, and I've I've got a couple comments of me posting videos on YouTube with the lake name, just kind of like as my personal diary of you know fishing, and guys at the boat ramp are like, are you that kid that posted a video on this lake? And I'm like, yeah, like kind of like happy, like, hey, well, you watched my video? And he goes, why would you post that? I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> you will get mad when you blow up these uh, little honey holes. Yeah, it's... It's definitely like I don't want to, you know, burst their bubble kind of thing. But it's it's an interesting, you know, debate. But yeah, you know. it's a, it's a totally different world now. There's the information at our fingertips, and it's it's good to to be able to see all this this new world of fishing, you know, with YouTube and and all this. It's been yeah. crazy. It's completely changed the game. Definitely, it's 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 only gonna get crazier as we go on. It can fishing as I think. Anybody, even if you're blind, you can see that fishing's on the rise. Not a crazy, not a crazy, you know, you know, stride. But I think with each year, as the community grows more and more, it's gonna, you know, bring more attention to the sport, bring more money to it, which is gonna, I think, in my mind, hopefully, ultimately, betters, you know, the anglers' experience. Hopefully, that you'd never have to pay entry fees anymore at the at these at that level. Fingers and, crossed. Yeah, that, that yeah, would be nice. You know, like. That is, I think that's like the goal for a lot of these pro series is to, you know, not have an entry fee when you get to the level because you've earned your keep up until right. that point. But I think if this sport keeps growing, though, it's also going to benefit our lakes, you know, because it's going to go to those, like the for New York, the DEC, it's going to go help to, you know, you yep. know, clean the lakes, you know, help uh, help the wildlife. So it's, you know, as any outdoorsman and all these anglers are, it's that's beneficial. That's what everybody wants. So absolutely, yeah. Put more money into stocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish. Speaking of stocking, it's like that time of year where everyone's going out for trout, and I'm sitting here like I don't know how to catch trout. Don't know how to ice fish. I've been one time. You have to talk to Andy about that. He's like the trout guru. Yeah, he he told me uh, we'll link up when I get home. So hopefully he can put me on one. I've never caught one ever. Really? So. 
Never caught one. I've caught he'll, he'll definitely make sure. I've caught rainbow trout in Montana, and that is it. So this will be quite an experience catching something like steelhead or brown in the tribs. It's pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna have to. We'll we'll link up when we get home. But yeah, yeah. So kind of moving forward a little bit, I just want to give you some time to you know shout out some of your social medias and your your pro staff and talk a little bit about that. Sure. I mean, if you if you want to follow me um, on Facebook, I've got the Destin Marion Tournament Angler. Um, it's just Destin Marion Fishing um, for the the address. We've got Destin to Fish for Twitter. We've got Destin to Fish for Instagram. Um, if you want to check me out there on YouTube, it's just my name, Destin Marion. Um, it's got all kinds of fishing videos. You know, like I said, we I'm taking out these. Um, groundskeepers you get to see a lot of cool ballparks from the inside on the insider view um, a lot of cool fisheries you know the delta lake, catching some big ones at lake erie you know of course florida got some harris chain stuff on there we i think we caught like 28 30 pounds last year we, we had a camera guy with us it was pretty sweet so we got that that's not on mine but i think i shared it on mine so we got we got all that stuff um you know I want to give a, a shout out to Duredge. Obviously, you know they're a huge reason why you know I can do this, and it's been a great experience working with them. It's been five years now. Um, new sponsors coming in the wings here. I can't say right now, but you know we got Phoenix Boats, we got Centimark, um, you know Minkota Hummingbird, Gemini G2 jerseys, Fish Sense, the Binsky, the Blade Bait. It's cold water season. That's what um, we caught a few of those 28 pound bag on the new Binsky Gobi color. Um, we got Gamma Fishing Line. That stuff is, I was boat flipping four pounders on eight pound tests that day. It was pretty fun. <laughs> I got it on GoPro too, so I can prove it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, from, from all that, uh, owner hooks, man, that's what I use pretty much for everything. And that's what I trust. I mean, I've used them for a long time and that's what I use in all my tournaments. Um, yeah. If I'm forgetting anybody, <laughs> I'll try to remember soon here. But, yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to all of them. Well, big props on your, your new sponsors to come and the ones you have. But uh, if you guys are, are baseball fans and also, you know, bass fishermen, you want to see a, an MTV Cribs with some fishing inside of it at some of these ballparks, go go give them a look. I'll I'll link everything down below for you. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome, and uh, I'm definitely going to keep tabs on you for sure. Uh, moving forward with the elites but now that we kind of got all our fishing topics behind us i'm going to get some fun questions for you oh yes that's uh, what i've been waiting for there you go uh, these these are fun because everybody's answers are different i mean there's there's one that you know generically people can kind of get the same but um start off with the first two as uh, your favorite lake and your favorite bait well uh favorite lake like shikamaga we talked about that a little bit so it's exciting we're going there <laughs> in february um that's going to be incredible uh favorite bait that is very hard gosh dang frog frog okay for sure yeah it's a big big top water guy oh yeah I is it a big top water guy or is it i like heavy braid lockdown drag yes that's exactly right <laughs> I like throwing in the thick stuff. I like to hear the braid sing, and I like to see big old Florida bass mouse golfing. Golf. <laughs> yeah, so, is that is that speaking from a guy who's been fishing Erie too too many years of his life, where he 
Yeah, I need some variety. <laughs> right, that makes sense. I've I've yet to fish down in Florida. All those years I've been down there, I've only ever saltwater fished for snook. So it's it's been they, fun. But not like bass, you know, they really fight like a bass, like a smallmouth. I w- I would say they're a saltwater, you know, bass. You yeah. Know, that kind of version. But I I want so bad to go fish some of those ponds or like Lake O or some of those small lakes oh, yeah. that no one talks about. Um, I might may or may not be. You know, trying to push Mikey Balls to bring me down to his lake where he catches ten pounders every other cast. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he moved. I think he moved to Alabama now. Yeah, he. I think he's home back in Florida now. But yeah, oh, he was, he? yeah, he was fishing Gunnersville for a while. Yep. It seems like wherever the guy goes, big fish go. They follow him. So that's a fact. He catches he, the big ones. He's a wizard. But uh, yeah, it. I that's definitely a lot of good fishing right there by um the uh what is it Charlotte Harbor. Yep, yep, Charlotte Harbor's got a, there's a bunch of different places through. Um, I mean, a lot of good freshwater fishing, not too far. I mean, Lake Okeechobee's only, what, an hour and a half from there, I think. I think it's, yeah, I think it's two, two and a half. I think it's got some. Uh, Depends on what part you're going to. Yeah. I drove from Charlotte Harbor. It's not too far. That's, uh, it's one thing where I'm just like, the thing is so huge, I don't know where to start. But I, my thing is like I'm just gonna bring a frog and just start casting around directions until something starts clicking. But <laughs> it's a good way to find them. It's just one place that I haven't even seen. Like I haven't actually, you know, walked out on the shore and looked around, kind of thing, or even drove by it. So it's oh, it's definitely urinating. Uh, bass fishing uh, fisherman's bucket list. It I is definitely get over there. That and what you said was fork. That is definitely a big one on the bucket list. So, well, I'm, I'll be I'll be out there. But uh, this question is my favorite one, and is if you could bring any three people in the world to dinner, like if you could sit down with any three people, past, present, who would you pick? Oh wow! Uh, one I think would definitely be uh, Walter Payton. Okay. I've always been a big Walter Payton fan. I like him because he was like always small, but he was like tough as nails and like overachieved. Yep. Um, and he was just a good dude too, like a very good guy, like gave back community and was a really good dude. Um, oh man. I've been sworn at a few times for this question, so it's okay. Sworn at? <laughs> yeah, I might start swearing at you if, after I dig number two out here. Oh man. <laughs> it could be anybody. Sylvester Stallone. Okay, Sylvester I like Stallone. that answer, I like that. You know, I love Rocky movies. That's my it's my jam. So I like some of his other stuff, too. I mean, Rambo and stuff. But I'm a big Rocky guy, so I, I think it'd be cool. He he, has a, he basically was like a Rocky guy, too. He came from nothing. I like I like that story. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Now it's getting hard. <laughs> First thing that comes to mind. All right, one pot in my head. I don't know if it's it would definitely be my third, but Jocko. Do you know who Jocko Willink is? No, I don't think. All I've right, ever heard so it. here's for the reading list. It's called Extreme Ownership. It's a book. Okay. He was he's an ex Navy SEAL guy. Um, I think he led SEAL Team Six or five, five or six, but it was the same one that Chris Kyle, the, you know, the sniper movie was made up about. But he's it's just about like owning. You know, just discipline and like all the good um, military traits and stuff. But he's extreme for sure. 
but he's he's a cool dude. He's got a lot of good principles in there that I think anybody can can be helped from. I like that. I think I like that answer because none of every other person has had like three fishermen kind of thing. Yeah, but I like the twist on it. I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 It was I, I something. Kinda, that, yeah, I kind of met most of the guys, so I don't really. Yeah. Don't really. That's why I was like, yeah, I've met most of the guys already. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten like a few times like guys like John Cox because they can sit down and you know say how do you catch every fish in shallow water even when everyone else is deep, but it, it's funny. But I, I like that because I, I was asked that question a long time ago. And, like, one of the things, at least my three, that would be non-fishing is, like, Dakota Meyer. Uh, he, he's one of the, the veterans. Um, okay. If you watch, like, Lunkers TV, he's on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, like, in Indiana. That's local, right? I, I'm, I don't know where he's from. I think Lunkers TV, I think he's from Indiana, Indianapolis area. Oh, Lunkers? I know he's from, at least from when he started his YouTube, he was from Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, he's been Lunkerville. In, that might be the one that's in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm not sure. I know Lunkers TV. He's at least in Texas. That's cool. Okay, yeah. I'll check him out. And then uh, definitely, I would love to sit down with The Rock and Kevin Hart and just kind of laugh at them, bicker at each other the whole time. That's good ones too. The yeah. Rock is would be on my list too. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've always kind of liked uh, Vin Diesel growing up too. He seems like a kind of cool dude. So he's on your list. There's so many people that could be on it. <laughs> right. that he's, like you could be like sitting there, and then you add another person, add another ten. So it's 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 a cool question because everybody's answer is different. So absolutely, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. That was a good question. I like that one. Yeah, I, I might have pissed you off a little bit, but it's usually at the end, it's it's worthwhile. So yes, it was. That was that was good. And then this question may or may not piss you off, but it's always <laughs> nice to. It's I like always when nice. you lead with that. <laughs> It's always nice to kind of cap off with it um, on an episode, but um, your favorite fishing memory? Oh, man. I don't know if I'm going to go, like, funny with it. That's that's. I'm trying to think <laughs> if it go to, like, a funny story or, like, a, like a catching a fish, like, freaking out kind of thing. You can do both if you want. Yeah. You know, I think the the best fishing moment was probably my first year as a pro at the James river, 110 degrees, like just brutally hot, super tough fishing. And it was like one o'clock. I didn't have a fish and I'd like, I didn't freak out. I didn't panic. And then I just ran like literally 60 miles away. And like first cast, I caught a four pounder and I was just like, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I just like started scrambling around running like far. I was like, I need to go here. I need to go there. And just like, was like in the zone kind of moment, you know, like uh, athletes talk about. And I just went with, you know, my instincts and stuff and ended up catching a limit, like on the last cast and ran an hour back to the ramp. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. Overcoming adversity and getting your limit. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it wasn't like anything spectacular, but I mean, that was my first tournament. It was my first open as a pro, and then I made a check, and it was because of that. And it was it was pretty cool. It was special. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, that's a true testament to patience. Kind of just trusting your instinct. Yeah, I think it's just something we all just need experience for. Like, I'm sure I wouldn't have done the same thing if I didn't have as much experience if I was younger, you know. It's just, experience is so key. Yeah, and it's, it's one thing we've, 
highlighted on this podcast in a few episodes where we talk about tournament fishing is how mental a sport actually can be. Mm-hmm. And we've highlighted how there's a bunch of guys who will go out and they'll, on their own, whether it's practice, whether they're fun fishing, whatever, and they'll whack them every single time, even on that same body of water. But when it comes to tournament day on that same body, they struggle. It's because they, they get to their head too quick and they it's all decision-making, which we've talked about so many different times. But Absolutely. I think, that's yeah, I think people that don't know fishing as much don't realize how – how mental it is and how like truly it's it's a skill it's just it's very much like golf i would say where it's a very mental thing like we can all cast about the same all the guys hit the ball roughly the same and can putt the same but it's really that mental fortitude and making those decisions that separates yeah definitely it's it's one of those things where you just kind of have to have a field for like a feel for it whereas like you know for football you got like you some guys who say I think the term you guys use is field view or kind of like a, you know, your, how you can see the field where as an angler, you can kind of see different scenarios happen. And if you don't see it, you know, usually your instincts tell you to move. But sometimes if you don't have that, your decision-making process is kind of, you know, off. Yeah. Or if you just don't trust it. And that's another time where you go into a slump, like we we're talking about the slump. I think that's when you don't trust your instincts, that's when you go kind of into that slump mode yeah it's it's that point where if a, pa- a pattern you have so much confidence in doesn't pan out or if it's a new area for instance for example if an, you're fishing a new place you didn't practice as much as you wanted then you kind of you start freaking out you start second guessing oh yeah it's just downhill from there but uh i know, I know one thing at least kind of speaking on that before we wrap up here is uh one thing i always try to remember um is when you know in a tournament and I'm in that phase where I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I always kind of think about this piece of advice Mike Iconelli said on Bass University was, you know, when I'm getting pissed off at myself, I'm like, because you know how he screams all the time. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> when he's sitting there and he starts getting pissed, he kind of thinks, all right, go back to basics. How did I start fishing? And then he's like, okay, find structure. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Just go back to basics. Go simple. Throw a Senko. Go, like, do something very simple to get your mind at ease instead of saying, Hey, I need to throw, you know, a six X D with a little bit of lime in it. You know, it's, and that's only going to be, you know, whatever, but it's, Absolutely. it makes your mind go nuts. So it's, it's interesting. I, so. I think you can catch them however you're confident in, no matter what people say a fishery is supposed to be, you can catch them in what you're confident in. Yeah. Completely agree. Well, Destin, it's been uh, it's been awesome. I appreciate you taking time out of your Absolutely. night. Absolutely, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I think not only myself, but all of our listeners. Hopefully, not. I mean, hopefully, we get more listeners. But the the ones we have right now all appreciate you. Uh, you giving us some advice and keying in on on you and your story. And I'm sure you'll have a bunch of fans watching you as you you travel with the elites this year. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate it all and. Hopefully we got a couple good nuggets from this, but anytime. Yeah, we appreciate it, and uh, best of luck to you moving forward, and we'll stay in touch. Sounds good, man. All right, you have a good night. You too. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler Podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps 
me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler podcast and we'll see you guys next time.